Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk and if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content alright can we just get on with this now please filmbusters so here's the thing that is interesting about Cameron which I only really found out yesterday I must have known it but buried it in the subconscious he is not an American director even though yeah. he feels like a, yeah, he's a Canadian. big American Canadian mm-hmm. oh yeah hey, I, like that. Iron, Iron Gem Funny because you would uh, connect him with that whole American gung ho action film. Yeah, yeah. It's Canadian. Certainly soft. Would. Very soft. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on Cameron overall? Um, first of all, I'm surprised that uh, he hasn't featured in the podcast so far. Um, Me too. I know. Cons- considering you know, yeah, he hasn't made that many films, but very you know culturally significant uh, films mm-hmm. you know right from terminator onwards um big fan of early cameron uh, big big fan um and i i suspect that terminator 2 was a turning point for me for him as a director um and i think uh, that film onwards cameron became much more about being as commercially successful as possible um, and and driving technology as far as mm. possible and that was his that was his major obsession you know how how, how can I um, uh, develop the technology as, as much as possible be as groundbreaking as much as possible and ultimately dominate the box office as much as possible so mm. um, you know Terminator 2 was his uh, first film where he really started to experiment with technology um, and it was a massive box office success and I think that sort of fed his desire to be the box office king and films mm. after that Titanic you know that was just set up to be as big as possible um, and Avatar the Avatar films I mean they, they are massive event films they are they are designed to, you know, uh, be immersive, to be a box box office experience. I have seen both Avatar and Avatar 2 at the cinema in 3D, and I haven't watched them since. Yeah. That, mm. And mm-hmm. that is that is the problem. His, his films now, they are about the event. They are about, you know, uh, showing off uh, technological advancements. Mm-hmm. And then they just sort of disappear, and no one really talks about them until he makes the next one. So Avatar Two, you know, I enjoyed it enough. Um, I th- it, it, it was spectacular. Um, watching IMAX made the difference in 3D, definitely. Um, 
But will I watch it again? I don't think so. And yeah. that's, and I, that's, I saw, that's a problem agree. with modern Cameron. With, with early Cameron, I could re-watch his films again and again and again. And that's when he was hungry for genre cinema, I think. Um, and now he's just got so single-minded on, you know, single track on, I need to make um, the most technologically advanced uh, film possible. Um, and it's a shame, because I would I I love Cameron to get back to just doing something more grounded, uh, away from the Avatar franchise, and it, it won't ever happen, I don't think, unfortunately. Mm. I think there's still something so fascinating about him, though. Like, I, I'm guilty of being one of those people like, oh, come on, why are you doing Avatar again? Especially after that massive wait from one to two. And... Um, but then when I watched number two, I mean, I really watched number one before number two, and I was like, it's still great. I thought it was great at the time. But I think the delay was the thing that made people so sour on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I watched the second one, I was like, man, it is, it is a great film. <laughs> this is a great I mean, film. It's just, and, 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 and I can't deny it. Technically, it's absolutely uh, amazing. But I, yeah. just want, I just want him to do something else now. I, just, I, I don't want... I agree. I agree uh, still, yeah. yeah. This, this is the thing. I don't care about seeing any more Avatar films. I don't see how he's fleshing out the universe even more. It just seems like the same film again and again. Yes, it might be good. It's a good spectacle, but I'm just like, "Eh, I don't need another one. Move on. Do something else. But he never will, I don't think. He he won't. That's the problem. He's obsessed with that universe now, so he's going to pursue that hell forever. In many ways, it's a blessing that he was born when he was and he started making films in the 80s so that he didn't have the technological advancements that we've got now because otherwise Mm -hmm. he may have been trying to do Avatar way back then. We'd have been robbed of some of the great stuff. The other thing about Avatar, I haven't seen the second one, but Jamie, you said you haven't seen it, uh, the first one since you saw it in the cinema. I'd seen it in the cinema when it came out uh, and I remember... I've said this on the podcast before so naively coming out of that and immediately turning to the people who I'd seen it with and saying that's the best film I've ever seen and within literally within half an hour that dissipated that was not how I felt and then I watched it again a few months ago or six months ago me and Paul were going to go and see it together at the cinema so I watched it the night before for the first time since that cinema viewing and we just stopped it halfway through Jenny and I just stopped it because we're like this it just feels so empty there's this yeah. has nothing yeah. nothing it just lost it, it it's lost something because he began pursuing the spectacle and the event as you say and that's all it was really about there was despite all of the fantastical settings he has in aliens and terminator and terminator 2 these completely science fiction environments there is a human element at the heart of all of that and the human element at the yes. heart of avatar never rings true for me mm-hmm. yeah 100% latter day Cameron what what happened to you man we like we like we liked early day Cameron uh, the thing is and this this borders a little bit on uh, my uh, little bit of trivia that I'll give you on on aliens to set it up but it does seem maybe I'll wait until we talk about that but it does seem that he is uh, a difficult man to work for by all accounts. Oh, really? I've yeah. Mm-hmm. Massively. That's interesting. Massively. Mm, yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, The Abyss was uh, a film that was really... <laughs> yeah. The, the back, background story to The Abyss um, is, is, is amazing. I've been meaning to w- watch that for ages. It's coming out in 4K shortly. Mm. 
So lovely. Yeah. I watched the abyss many years ago, so I can't remember all the detail of it. But it, I, it felt very tedious. But then the ending felt quite spectacular. But the journey felt quite tedious, and mm-hmm. I feel like I watched a director's cut. It's a very long film, isn't it? Almost the, Titanic length. The, the, the extended cut is, yeah. I think that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. So we um, we will be talking about the extended version of Aliens, yes? We will. Great. Maybe both. Oh. Come on, Paul. Introduce the, uh, uh, what, where we're at. Give us some context Well, before now. we introduce the film, let's just say, everyone, Jamie's here. He's back Jamie's on the podcast. Back. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Wonderful. Welcome back, Jamie. Here. Thank you. Fifth Good to appearance? Be Something like that. Uh, I think the, the the last one was uh, misery, and that that was about that was about a year ago. This month, misery was it a year. Yeah. Jesus, a year ago. misery, yeah. misery. I'm trying to remember what it was. Burn off the reading. Was there one other you joined yeah. us for? The vanishing. You joined us for the vanishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. did. So this yeah. is your fifth. Yeah. This is your fifth. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Happy fifth yeah. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a big it's one. your pick, Jamie. It's your yes. pick, Jamie. Go yes. on, you tell us. What, what did you pick for us today? Um, well, I thought... I, you know you know me. I, I like to bring a film that has significance to me personally. And this, this is very similar to Robocop uh, in that this is a film that has always been with me. Um, and, well, it feels like it's always been with me. And uh, even as an adult, this is a film that... Um, I never tire of re-watching, and it is James Cameron's Aliens. And the f- first time I watched this, um, it was a sort of similar time when, when I watched The Thing and Robocop, it's all around that same era. I was, uh, rent- rented it out with some friends um, and loved it. And then I remember recording it off television and you, you, you were both v, v, uh, VHS guys, yes? Mm-hmm. So I remember recording yep. that, and it was quite late. Um, it was half 10 or 11, and I was, you know, I shouldn't have been staying up that late. Um, and I just remember stopping at the, at, the, at the commercial breaks and then just trying as hard as possible to, to, to record again and, and take, take oh. out the commercial breaks. <laughs> better times, better yeah. times. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, you just have to wait for that. Set. It will always be like an advert, whatever the sort of, and you just know that as soon as that's come, right? Okay. Yeah. And now. Yeah, get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but it was it was a cut version. Remember, it was an edited version. Um, and then the next thing I remember is getting the special edition on VHS, mm. and that was a moment. Um, that just just opened up the film experience for me because it had definitely been the theatrical that I just just watched well of course because mm. that was the first time the special edition had been released um and yeah uh i thought it was fantastic and my brother and i just watched it endlessly um and then i think i, m- I mentioned this to you before so 2019 i go part-time and I, I, I decide that I'm going to watch as, as many films as possible. So I get an Odeon membership and I get a Picture House membership, Picture House Bromley membership for the first time. Excellent. And uh, film I was going to watch um, the Odeon, it's going to be um, Aliens. And then a few days after that, I was going to watch, it was a David Lynch season at the 
at your house. I was going to watch Blue Velvet. Mm. And then COVID happened, lockdown happened, and I couldn't see oh. either film. It was literally weeks away because they were both in April. It was just yeah. literally just weeks away, and then all cinema shut down. And I was so, so <laughs> frustrated because I'd been yeah. waiting all my life to watch Aliens on the big screen. Yeah. And mm. uh, I was gutted, I must admit. Um, but then I um, uh, did sort of manage to watch the film at the cinema uh, about three or four months ago, something like that. And it was just a mind blowing experience. Um, you know, I, I truly think there are some films that you haven't properly watched until you see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just it just elevated the experience so much so that I just said, well, I, I have to bring this to the pod. Um, was it the special edition? It was the special edition, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad you did bring it to the pod. And before we talk any more about Aliens, you mentioned... Uh, Blue Velvet as well mm-hmm. another film that came out in 1986 Correct. both films from 1986 so since you're bringing the new year to us let me give a little bit of context about what was going on in the world oh, yes. in 1986 before we proceed with Aliens activities also uh, listeners you're, you're, uh, we should have said this uh, very sadly we don't have Adam with us today he's a very busy boy but Jamie is uh, taking his place and will be more than competent but um, we miss you Adam uh, not that you'll be listening to this. Uh, are you ready for some 1986 stuff? Yes. Let us have it. Here we go. There's some heavy stuff that happened that year, so I'm going to try and intersperse it. One one light, one heavy. That that was the same as, as the last time. Uh, let's go with uh, one of the heaviest things. Uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant disaster. Oh, the right. reactor exploded. Oh, I remember well, that. Killing over 30 people and... Uh, giving thousands more major health problems in the rest of their life, but also the year that Bobby Ewing was revealed to actually be alive because it was all a dream in Dallas, one of the most watched television series season finales. The first to do that, it was all a dream moment, really. Um, The Space Shuttle Challenger disintegrates 73 seconds after launching, killing all seven astronauts on board. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Oprah Winfrey show was first broadcast also. See? <laughs> Heavy and light stuff. Um, uh, time for another dark thing, isn't it? Yeah, I there think was, so. Well, there weren't many, that many dark... It was just those two really big dark things. Here's the, well, here's a dark thing, I guess. A dark thing for Britain. Mad cow disease suddenly came on the scene. Oh. Was, that was the first year. Was it as early as that? Yeah, 1986. Oh. But I believe... Oh, wow. I believe there was a reoccurrence of it because I distinctly remember it when I was in primary school. And yeah, I same. certainly was in primary school then, so yeah. there was a, it must it must have reoccurred. Here's some light stuff. Phantom of the Opera musical debuted in London's West End. Uh, the first ever musicians were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Steve Jobs. This is really interesting. This is genuinely interesting. I had no idea about this. Steve Jobs left Apple Computers, bought a company known as the Graphics Group, which became Pixar animation studios oh, and he was one I of the three that, founding yeah. members of pixar i had no idea i, mm. I didn't know that either look at that mm. uh staying on that theme ibm unveiled the world's first laptop 
first laptop computer. Mike Tyson won his first world boxing title in Las Vegas, becoming the youngest heavyweight champion of the time. Paul, you'll like this, a little us reference. Six million people linked hands across America for the Hands Across America public fundraising event for combating of hunger and homelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, And on January 16th, a little boy was born into this world. And that little boy stands before you today, and his name is Filmbusters Ben. And that was 1986. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. I've got one more fact. Oh, go on. We've done one film on the podcast before from 1986. Do you know what it was? Oh, yes, I do, because I know 1986 very well. But let's see if Jamie knows it. We'll give you some clues if you need them. Um, yeah, you might need to give me some clues. Me and Ben are not fond of it. At all. Oh. Top Gun. Yeah. Yes. Of we love to reiterate that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit deceptive because that was all part of Tony lots of films. So I, I wasn't thinking only, I wasn't thinking about Only that. a true fan would know to make that comment. <laughs> only a true fan would know we did not dedicate a whole episode. It was part of an anthology. Yeah. Excellent work, Jamie. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Well, let's head someone to going towards the episode. Let's just mention our patron first, though. We've got a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. Where you can get exclusive episodes. You can come on the show like Jamie has today. Jamie, what's the patron like? Is it any good? Ah, well, it's going to be a it's going to be a very special edition. Um, I've, it's something I've been working on for a long, in fact, many years. I've been working on my top ten films, and I have finally, finally achieved it. And um, I'd love to share it with you guys at some point. So yeah, yes, we're giving Jamie the opportunity to tell us his top ten films of all time. I'm very excited because I. I I don't actually want to look at your letterbox page anymore to get any kind of inkling of what they are because I can't. I mean, I get I have some idea of films you always mention, which mm. I imagine I'm going to feature in there. But um, well, that is, there's, I'm there's, forward to that. I had to come up with a bit of a criteria to help me to come up with it because there are just so many to choose, and it really made I know, it, it's hard. really made it difficult. So I will explain that criteria there on the and Patreon as well. Exciting. You can expect that episode coming up shortly, I'm, I'm sure, at some point. But, yes, let's move on towards the episode. Jamie, Adam's not here today, so uh, we're, we're going to do the staple of every episode. It's the quiz. Yes. We uh, do a quiz about aliens where me and Ben have to answer questions from Adam. And if we get them wrong, he gets the points. If we get them right, we get the points. Mm. But, Jamie, you're the quiz host today, so over to you. Um, do you want to tell the scores first? Paul? I was about to say I don't know the scores. So okay, I'll tell you the scores. The scores are twenty-five point five to me, <laughs> twenty-one to Adam, and nineteen to Ben. Uh, and it might it might help. It might hinder. I do have questions with half marks in. So Excellent, sighting. <laughs> couldn't I couldn't I couldn't avoid it. Right. Okay. So. Oh, your first question, and there are actually several parts to this question, really. Um, oh, God. So, are we writing these down, Jamie, or are we, are shouting, we shouting them out? Um, the second one you'll definitely be writing down. This one, you can if you want. If you want to jump in, you can, but uh, you might be risking it by doing that. Oh. Because oh. I've, I've done it in a way that... We love a risk. So... 
I'll let you take that risk, Paul. For one point, <laughs> for one point, listen carefully, what is the final line of dialogue delivered in the opening scene when Ripley is rescued? Oh, good question. Uh, oh, I have a recollection. Oh, wait a minute, let me think about this. Oh, it's a, it's a man saying something. Yeah. Uh, what does he say? I know who it is who says it. And I can't remember what he says. Oh, looks like it's a. I think this is. Point, I think this is going to go to Adam. Adam yeah. I think it's going to Adam. I think it's going right. to Adam. I've, I'm can not I just? Be able to I, it. I think. I think that it's a James Cameron voiceover. Oh, I think it's a computer voice, yeah. or you hear it as a voice, and it's James Cameron. And he says something like, "We've got a live one," or something like that. And that's that's irrelevant. No, that's ruined one of my additional questions. <laughs> Oh, oh, I got the point no, well, early no, before you even asked the know, question. I don't know if you can do that, though, can you? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, the, the line is, well, there goes our salvage, guys. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember um, that, yeah. yeah and okay. then, for so follow-up question, follow-up point, what is the cynical significance of this line? The cynical significance mm. is, the cynical significance is that, well, his perception, the alien film was all very cynical. The crew were a cynical crew based on what they were doing. They were the, the considered, they were on a salvage operation originally. They were considered expendable. Yeah. They were. So they said as much as around the mm -hmm. dinner table. So what is so what is the cynical significance? I feel like I'm on the brink of it, but I can't articulate you, you it. You kind of ah, yes, but you haven't quite hit, hit it on the nail yet. Hit it. You can see, you can see why Jamie teaches. <laughs> this is exactly yes. how you do it. Yes. Oh, I can tell. He wants me to articulate. I feel it like a student in his class brink. right now. <laughs> he knows I'm on the brink, but he wants me to articulate it much better. The cynical significance of the original salvage team having all died there being. One. What's the line again at the end well, of the scene? There goes our salvage guys. So what are they more interested in? They're more interested. I'm, I'm, I'm in... answering it for you. They're more interested in getting the the alien specimen. The... No, they don't know no. about the alien specimen. Well, do they? I maybe? don't even know. No, I don't even know, know what's going on. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the significance is that yes, they are more interested in uh, sort of. The technology, whatever they were, they were selling, they are not interested in human life. So it actually, yeah, in the they're people. not interested in the people, and that's what's had to stop the stop the mission. So they're, they're, they see it as a hindrance. That they found her. Yes, and, and I that's, see. Yes, and that's what okay, reestablishes right. right. this theme of, you know, humans are expendable uh, in connection with the you know, alien technology. Mm. Yes. Do I get half a point for that uh, one? Yeah, I, well, I, I think so. I think you were you were you were close. There you go. The, you were the close quiz master. There. I think you deserve yeah. half a mark. I thought actually, do you do you, do you get uh, another half point with? You did sort of jump in, but I was I was going to say who actually delivers the line in reality is the third part of the question. Would you have known that, Paul? No, no. So, so give, you, 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 give you, me a half. Point, no, no. I think point. I think you. I think you should get the point because Paul. Oh, because Paul that, said lovely. that he wouldn't have known it anyway. No, no. True. Oh, there we go. Oh, lovely. A point and a half. Oh, yeah. Point and a half. All together. 
Um, so that's you and a, and a half point now as well, isn't it? <laughs> that okay. is, yeah. That's what you wanted. Right. I'm half a point behind right. Adam okay. now. Okay, so the second question, right, this is where you're going to have to individually and don't don't uh, shout out anything okay. else. So there are 12 colonial marines in the film. Mm-hmm. Can you name yeah. I'll be naming each them all. one? Now, right. you get you get half okay. a mark for every character, all right? Okay. You need to get at least um. eight... Or Adam gets the point. At, At least, least eight. eight, I think. I think that's fair. At least eight. Well, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I feel like Jamie is going to say no. I have eight, but oh, well, um, they're not all Marines. That's the thing. That's the I, thing. I, I don't think, think be wrong, they're yeah. part of the they're part of that group, but they're not all more Marines. So let's see if he will allow uh... it. Well, let's see. Let's see. Paul, do you want to do your five first? Okay. I mean, how the, how is it going to work this? Is it just whoever gets the most gets yeah. the point? Well, maybe, well, maybe that, that, is, that means I'm not going to get the point regardless, so you had to have to do it. True. Okay. All right. So my guaranteed... Here's my guaranteed mm-hmm. ones. Hicks, yeah. Yeah. Hudson, Gutierrez. Oh, fuck. I messed it up. I messed it up. I said Gutierrez when I meant Vasquez. Can me, and, can me and Ben work together to get the point, though, from Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be against the spirit each. of the quiz there. <laughs> well, look, okay, Adam doesn't imagine, want to be the quiz I, master. If, if, I hadn't said, <laughs> if I hadn't said Gutierrez, right, so it would have been, I would have had seven. So it would have been Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez, Burke. F- I wrote Burke no, twice. Uh, and, and, and I Burke, Burke's, Burke's, Burke's now a Marine. He's a co- well, that's man. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. People who were on the fringe. That's why nah, I didn't know if, I if can't, it would go. I can't. Sp- Spunk yeah. Meyer. Oh, yeah. I've um, got that one. I had Bishop, but again. Not a Marine. Yeah. No. So we actually got the same amount. So what names did you have? Okay, I got Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez, Drake, and Gorman. Yeah. Who was Gorman? Gorman's the... Uh, the inexperienced person who's who's in charge of them, who who, who ends up sort of. Uh, oh like right, the one who out. dies. The one who dies with Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember that. He was he was a name that I was trying to remember. Okay. Um. So, what's the name of the leader? Uh, Apone. Apone. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look into my eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we definitely haven't got the point, so it's definitely Adams. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's how it is. So I'll, I'll run through them. Frost. How many does he get? Frost, Frost. Dietrich, Wispaski, Apone, Hudson, Hex, Vasquez, Gorman, Spunkmeyer, Drake. And then two that I, two that I wouldn't have got is the, the female uh, pilot, Pharaoh. Pilot, yeah. Pharaoh. Right. And then Crow is the last one. No. Is that the guy who's with her in the... In the... No, that's, that's Spunkmeyer. Well, good question. Good question. Yeah, that good was question. always going to be a tough one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I maybe I should have said six. I mean, eight was tough. Well, but... I didn't even get six in the end, did I? So <laughs> still didn't make it. <laughs> didn't even get half of them. So how many points does Adam get for that? Oh, he just gets the one. That's just the one. Okay, point. good. Yes. Yeah. 
Good question. But if, if you had got eight, you'd have gotten four points. God, that would have really been my chance. Mm-hmm. And you wow. know what? I would have been level with you, Paul, if I'd got four on that. Because mm, no, I wouldn't. I'd have been one behind you, but still. But you didn't. I thought that though I was pretty sure you were going to ask a particular question, which you didn't. Oh, what was that? And it's only in the special edition, and it relates to names. Of Marines. Oh, well, the oh. name of his the Do- name of the daughter. No, oh no, no. 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 He- he- um, Hicks's real name. Yeah. Do you know Hicks's real name, Paul? Oh, uh, I wrote it down in my on my notes, but I don't. It's not in front of me. But uh... <laughs> I thought I thought about it. I can't. I, I, not off the top of my head. No. It was two on the nose. Two on the nose. Adam would have asked that question. That's why I thought. Okay. Yeah. Make yeah, a yeah, note yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Dwayne. Dwayne Hicks. Dwayne. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Very American good. name. Very good, good, Jamie. Very good. So that what are the means, points, then? by my reckoning, um, that means. Did you get any points then, Paul? I got none. So you are on twenty-five and a half. Adam is on twenty-two, and I'm on twenty and a half. So that is interesting. Made some headway. Uh, still, still. Just behind Adam, but that's okay. Still some ways to go. It's not long left of the year. Mm. A good question good there. Good questions, Jamie. Good, good questions. Right, should we move on to speak about aliens? All we know is that there's still no contact with the colony and that a xenomorph may be involved. Excuse me, sir. A, a what? A xenomorph. It's a bug hunt. What exactly are we dealing with here? Ripley? I'll tell you what I know. We sat down on LV-426. One of our crew members was brought back on board with something attached to his face, some kind of parasite. We tried to get it off. It wouldn't come off. Later, it seemed to come off by itself and die. Kane seemed fine. We were all having dinner, and um, it must have laid something inside his throat, some sort of embryo. He started... Um, he... Look, man, I only need to know one... Thing. Where they are. Nobody's getting skit gas. Anytime, anywhere. Right, right. Somebody said alien. She thought they said illegal alien and signed up. Fuck you, man. Anytime, anywhere. Are you finished? Right, everyone. Today we're doing Aliens from 1986 by James Cameron. If you haven't seen this, I don't know why you haven't seen it if you're if you're coming to this episode. Because I mean, if you're a film lover, you sh- you should have watched Aliens by now. But if you haven't, we're gonna spoil it terribly for you, so you might wanna go watch it, come back, and then we can speak about it in all of its glory. First of all, let me just say we've got three people who've been in films we've done before. Do you know who they are? Uh, Lance Henriksen. Yes. Two films. Uh, Hard Target. Yes. Uh, what mega fan this is a mega fan uh, I couldn't even remember him in Hard yeah, Target this is this is the interesting thing this is the interesting thing he's not a main character in this other film he appears at the end and you're like oh is this going on to a sequel from memory anyway that's what happens <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you you gotta, yeah, you're never gonna yeah, get it Super, Super Mario Bros oh yeah wait he's the one who comes in at the end and says um, yeah. I want, I've got a game idea I completely forgot. Like we can make a video game at the end of Super Mario Brothers. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's like after credits or something. Mm. It was off the credits oh, or God. something weird like that. Mm. 
that's the memory. I might be completely wrong, but I don't remember okay. in the film otherwise, so I'm pretty sure it's that bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two more people. Uh, Sigourney Weavers and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Down straight in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty sure this is the film you suggested, Jamie. Ooh. Unless it's not, I might be. Mm. You definitely uh, have things to say about this film. Is this uh, Bill Paxton? Nope. Michael Bean? No. Nope. No. There's two films this person's been in. One of them, he's the father of a musician. Oh, oh, it's uh, Paul Reiser. It's, uh, um, yes. it's uh, uh, Whiplash. And what was he? And? What was the other film? Oh, Ghostbusters. No, he's, 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 no. Not, he's not in Ghostbusters. No, no. Um, it's got a group of very strapping young men in it. All quite famous, and it's from 1982. It's not only a round we've done, right? Mm-hmm. It's also a round you started with this film. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what that was. I can't remember. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, hang on. Uh, uh, Robocop. No, it's 87. No. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is actually a Jamie pick. That's the funny. Oh, I don't, this, this is so <laughs> embarrassing. I, I, I've just I've blanked with embarrassment now. What the hell did he pick? I have in no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm trying to think of any film from what was what did we do in 1982? Oh, I know what it is. Uh, I know what it is. I know what it is. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I've got it. He's I've got, got it. it. Diner. Go yes. Very well <laughs> done. Jesus. God, that was hiding in plain sight because he's so front and center throughout that. Yeah. Oh. Very good. That was a, a quiz question in and of oh, itself. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Dear me. Good. That was. That's it. You got them. That's the three people. So, uh, Jamie, in Adam's place, you get to do uh, the plot summary of this film, or as we like to call it, the shit plot summary of this film. I will try to do it justice. So, this is a film similar to Alien, except in the first film. It had only one alien in the film. <laughs> hence, hence the title, Alien. He would oh. not use the word hence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, in this film, there are lots of aliens in it. Hence the title, Alien. It's in the same thing twice. <laughs> I have to continue with this. Ripley and Jonesy get saved, and then stuff happens <laughs> and then well it ends with the ultimate bitch smackdown that is very adam well done jamie that <laughs> was it was well like done. adam was very in good. the room <laughs> a little bit too articulate in places but you know yeah can't have it all <laughs> right do you want a bit of background on on the old aliens I'm sure yes, there'll be please. other bits peppered in. I, you can, there's far too much to say about this film, so I'm just condensed some mm-hmm. things and other things can just naturally come out in the conversation. So, while mm-hmm. scouting for potential premises for the sequel to Ridley Scott's Alien, studios stumbled upon an in-progress script called The Terminator. Impressive what they saw, James Cameron was asked to submit a treatment for what was then called Alien 2. And it was actually based on another script idea he had called Mother, which coincidentally involved an alien. Cameron was hired for the job and over a three-month period he was writing Aliens, Rambo 2 and The Terminator. All three of those films within a three-month window. 
Uh, the film was shot almost exclusively in England at Pinewood Studios. Cameron and his then producer wife, Gail Ann Hurd, encountered difficulties with the British crew who were all fiercely loyal to Ridley Scott. Cameron and Heard were also used to American guerrilla filmmaking crew members who had worked long hours to get the job done, and they struggled with the nine-hour working days that the British crew adhered to. Cameron also had run-ins with both the composer James Horner and editor Ray Lovejoy. Despite this, there was a great sense of camaraderie among the cast members, who all have nothing but good things to say about their experience making the film, and this is perhaps the reason why the final scene Cameron shot for the film was the scene where all Marines are in introduced to us, heightening the realism of a team who were close, having spent several months filming together. There are also several versions of the film, with the special edition version being considered the ultimate version by both Cameron and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Weaver earned the first Academy Award nomination for a action film star for her role as Ripley, though she didn't win it. Uh, the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards in total, winning two one for best sound effects editing and the other for best visual effects by Stan Winston, who took over from H.R. Geiger. I've been to H.R. Geiger's hometown in Switzerland, by the way. There's loads of his oh, designs wow. all over the place. Fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. The Alien Queen is still considered the largest marionette ever created for film, requiring 14 to 16 individual operators to take control of the various limbs and appendages. And that will do for now. Appendages. Appendages. Nice. I think the tongue's an appendage. The tongue, or the mm -hmm. secondary mm. mouth rather than the tongue, is certainly an appendage, I would say. Mm. To move the head, open the mouth, and then have a second set of jaws come out and all three things being operated independently. That's movie making. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Right, thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Jamie, this is your pick, so you decide what order you want first impressions in. Can I have... Uh, Paul first, Ben second, and I'll go last. Okay, okay, let's do that. So, um, despite it being pretty amazing, like completely holding up effects-wise, <laughs> having some incredibly stunning set pieces, like like the the face hugger in the in the med bay, alien, the aliens on the roof, aliens in the water behind Newt, the whole the whole Queen segment. And like just cracking open the alien mythology and, and adding so much lore and and background to the xenomorph and just creating an absolutely like iconic female hero that holds her own apart from all that <laughs> i always forget how gung-ho and annoying most of the marines are <laughs> in the beginning especially bill paxton right he's a little bit annoying he's a little bit annoying and all they're like poontang talk and saying about colonist virginity horrible stuff really but um but they do kind of grow on you as, as you go through the film um uh, but i don't think newt ever really does i don't think she ever really does she's just not a real child <laughs> and every word that comes out of out of her mouth like just sounds so obviously scripted to sound quirky or or to a comedy effect like affirmative <laughs> like shut up what are you talking about that's just not natural it's like shut up kids are highly annoying and, and, Paul. Her, <laughs> and her saluting her saluting of the after talking about she stayed here for all that time no good i don't think newt's any good and also oh, so i think there's a, i think there's, there's, a, there's a actually there's a debut film role don't be so harsh on the poor girl I, she, she, she I never know, acted I, after I, that as well it needs 
No, we're talking about a, a, a perfect film for most people, so I've got to talk about the stuff that doesn't work. Um, I also think there's actually a superior cut that can be made out of the theatrical and special edition. I, uh, I, um, because I actually watched the theatrical, <laughs> but thinking I was watching the special edition, and then until I got to the bit where I was like, until I got to the bit where I was like, oh, I haven't seen uh, Ripley's daughter yet. And I was like, I'm clearly not watching it. But I was like, let me just carry on. And then I watched everything afterwards. Mm. I watched all those bits. Okay, so, so, um, so you have watched the special edition bits, but just not... Yes, I've watched all the bits and the right, theatrical right, right. So Got I've you. watched everything. Okay. But um, I think there's stuff from both that could either be taken away or added to the other one. But I think we'll get into that later down the line. But yes, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, of course. And that's my first impressions. Okay. okay i know paul he he has to try and find if he knows he's going to be loving he's going to try and play devil's advocate he still bloody loved this film but he's going to look for things to <laughs> to challenge and whatnot it's a it's a big old love fest from me there's only one other film for my money where the sequel surpasses the original and that's also by james cameron and that's terminator 2 aliens as great as alien also is an incredible film in its own right. What James Cameron did with Aliens is what's so wonderful because he evolved the story. It went from this intimate horror film, the first one, the sci-fi elements, but it was a horror film, to this, which is the sci-fi action film. And again, for my money, after Terminator 2, it's the best action film that there is. What I will say, though, is when I rewatched it, I'd forgotten just how little action actually takes place in the first hour particularly and while i don't agree with this this view i could see how some people might be put off by how long it takes to get to the meat of the story because it feels like it is about an hour in maybe even more than an hour before they encounter that 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 alien nest but it's to the credit of the entire film that it doesn't it's not like let's get to the alien let's get to the alien we already know what the alien looks like it's an established element and it's about how do you create a compelling story off the back of that, where it's not just about waiting for for the alien. And I have to disagree with you, Paul. I thought those Marines were so well-crafted because they are independent individuals. You have, as Jamie showed in his in his quiz, 12 different Marines, and you give them all their own unique identity, largely, to the point where you can actually see and care about these characters who have very little lines of dialogue or very little interactions with people but it creates a believable cohesive whole so that there are stakes every single time one of them is put in peril you actually worry for them rather than just general cat and fodder this is something you don't see in action films nowadays because it's just about let's get the let's get the casualties let's get the gung-ho-ness in there straight away i agree that they're when they're around the table they're all very uh machismo with like rescuing uh the colonizers daughters but that is pretty much the only uh, and along with the have you ever been mistaken for a for a man line they are pretty much the only two scenes where there is any sort of sexism if you want to call it that displayed by them because the entire runtime ripley they adopt ripley as one of their own and are very quick the minute that she proves herself they are very quick to follow her lead and there's no dismissal of her being a civilian there's no dismissal of her being being a woman and i would actually say that it actually steps up from scott's depiction of ripley which was she's just part of the crew it didn't matter that she was a woman because 
that script was written for a man. Ripley was meant to be a man, and then Sigourney Weaver was just cast. Whereas in this film, she is a woman. It's embraced that she's a woman. She is a mother who has lost, lost the child. She's a, adopting Newt in this maternal way, and she shows her power as a woman, just like Sarah Connor did in Terminator 2. This is These are the female heroic figures, and I guess you could say feminist uh, figures that cinema should aspire to rather than the sorry paul the wonder womans of the day which are completely disposable mcdonald's type heroes for for women now they mean nothing they mean they mean nothing this is a grounded real woman in a situation where she where she's proving herself and, and, and showing herself to be very powerful the whole film is a thrill ride the the whole way through I absolutely adore that it adds layers to it. You've got trauma, Jamie Lee Curtis's term, but you've got trauma, that, and this whole film works because Ripley, and this is this is something that is there throughout the entire film. Ripley, whether she's been conscious of it or not, has been out there floating for fifty-seven years, dealing with that fucking insane event that took place. She comes back to earth or not earth halfway earth finds out she's lost her daughter and has to deal with that along with 57 years of nightmares and then face her trauma in this film and that thread running through it the whole way through coupled with facing another mother in that final third is so brilliant and so epic plus you've got these layers of the bishop and ash mirror and you as an audience thinking well can we trust him can we not trust him it goes without saying that this is one of the best films ever made of all time. And we'll talk about other reasons why, but there is only one film in 1986 that I've seen that is better than it. And it could come up in this round, but I will be mentioning it in this in this film because it holds similarities. And that's where I stands on it. Well, you have... Very good. Yes, I mean, you have uh, taken a lot of my words there. Sorry. To be honest, <laughs> honestly, so many of that I, I was basically going to say pretty much that. I will add to it by saying this is James Cameron's best film. Better than Terminator 2. Okay. <laughs> we disagree on that one. But, but yes. Better than Terminator <laughs> 2. Because, uh, um, because um, I, I, I do have issues with Terminator 2, but that, that's, that's another story. But if you, you brought up Sarah Connor. Um, yes, a, a, a strong uh, sort of uh, feminist uh, uh, role model, you could say. But um, I think Ripley's character development is so much more interesting, so much more part of the story. Whereas Sarah Connor, you know, as a as a as a as a as a mother, she is just trapped into this sort of mode of being a protector or or that or that john needs to be um you know protected because he's a savior of, of of mankind um whereas the instinctive uh, maternal feelings from from ripley through newt um are so much more i think so much more part of the storyline it feels so much more natural um and I um, yeah, I, I completely agree with the points that you've said, and we will we will embellish those as we go on. And this film is in my top ten. I thought okay. it might be. Yeah, it had to be. <laughs> I, I I do agree for what it's worth, even though and Terminator Two is in my top ten. Um, but I do agree that 
the character of, of Ripley and her agency as a female character and what she represents within this film is a better crafted trajectory than that of Sarah Connor, who is just given agency because you have to be a maternal protector for John Connor. You have to protect this mm. man yeah. who will lead the mm-hmm. resistance in the future. I agree with that. Yes, but just that bit. <laughs> just that's just that one bit. <laughs> Let me just address the uh, Marines just to go against yes. uh, what you were saying. Um, I absolutely agree with you. I it gets to it gets to pass that just that initial bit where you see them and they're all acting all like machismo and and being like derogatory and everything. That's a bit I'm like oh, I don't mm. remember like not like it like not liking these people. But then as you get past that, it is only those those kind of moments. And then I almost thought the bit where um, Ripley's trying to show she can she can do stuff and she's like using like the uh, the the whatever you call it the robot. <laughs> Pa- the power loader. Yeah. Yeah, the power loader. That's it. Um, that is basically where it ends. From that point on, I'm like, these people are just their own people. I never loved them, though. I never loved them. I don't know if you're supposed to. I mean, I I, I personally see the um, the Marines. I mean, uh, Cameron has been criticised for um, being sort of the gung-ho director who... Um, displays this sort of fetishistic obsession with military in his in his films. Um, but if you have a look at how it's presented in, in Aliens and Avatar, the military are, are presented, uh, uh, they, they, they are critiqued, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see Aliens as, and I've heard this mentioned before, um, that it's a sort of this Vietnam... Uh, uh, analogies here that you know that the Marines represent sort of uh, America going in all gung ho, full of technology, in, uh, invading uh, uh, Vietnam, and um, and actually come across uh, people uh, Viet Cong who were uh, able to to use their environment, the able to sort of mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, camouflage and submerge themselves into their environment. They used sort of guerrilla sort of uh, warfare tactics and were able to, into, um, you know, successfully uh, repel their superior American fire, uh, uh, you know, firepower. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. and so you have them coming in full of, you know, Kesbo and this sort of, uh, uh, you know, Hudson, you know, talking about how much firepower they have, you know. I, but it's significant that it's Hudson who's given it all this, and and uh, he's full, full of yeah, full he's of the coward, full of bravado, and he ends up being the sniveling coward by the end of the film. Yeah. Um. Even though he, mm. he, he does have a, a bit of a resurgence at the end, um. But yeah, it's 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 critiquing, um, mm. uh, mil- mm. uh, sort of America's, uh, uh you know, gung-ho military history, I think. Yeah. I don't think, I I don't think Cameron's supporting, he's not a, he's not uh, representing the military as, say, Tony Scott does in Top Gun. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's not a, it's not a positive portrayal. It's not supposed to be a positive portrayal. Mm. I mean, you might say more than anything that 
the 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 journey that marines go on and your how you should feel about them exactly how i should have been going because i, I should go along thinking oh that they, they they love themselves they love their guns and everything but and they're, they're talking this big talk but you know he's not actually he's actually a real coward and that is the journey you're supposed to go on with the character so mm-hmm. i guess he got his hooks in me and do, <laughs> I the journey not, I was supposed to. Do you not love him though, by the end? Like you say he's annoying. I, no, no, I, I can, do I, can I do, see. I do. he grows on me. He grows on me, yeah. The funniest line obviously he has the the iconic game over line, which he ad libbed, which is great. But the funniest line, I've forgotten it, is when Ripley saying, This little girl lasted a lot longer and she looks at him and he goes, Why'd you put her in charge? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so des- desperate, but it's it, it's it's brilliant. The whole team and and what's his name again? The one who's leading the Marines, uh, Apollon. Fantastic, and I believe the only person who'd actually served. So he brought that yeah, to the role. True. You could, yeah. you could, you mm. could absolutely see that. All of that stuff. You contain that shit, Hudson. Every, everything, every interaction with them yeah. feels so so on point. Mm, and the the fact. I, I do genuinely think that that is super refreshing because it would, even now, particularly with the sort of commentary you would have to make in a film like this, if you were to create a team of Marines with a couple of female members, but essentially largely dominated by men and then bring Ripley into it, there would, I think, be a lot of dialogue added, scenarios added that addressed there'd be sexism there'd be dismissals up front about the fact that she was a woman and then they would have to challenge that through the film and then ripley would win them over by the end whereas mm. i really think it's super refreshing that she's there but they never they never make a point to, uh, to ripley about the fact that she's a woman if anything the, the the initial dismissal of her is she's civilian compared to them hence the the, the top loader scene when mm. she does that i don't think it's because she's a woman doing that that's she has makes nothing to offer go, to the team exactly and yeah. she's just one and with them and they just dismiss her advice about what they're going into and what they should do at first because she's civilian rather than um rather than a woman uh, she, she, she's think. called snow white initially isn't she yeah who's who, who's mm. snow white um, yes, and then someone says, "Oh, apparently she she, she encountered an alien." And so, the, 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 so they they are they are dismissive of her uh, orig- uh, originally, and she has to earn their respect. But yes, soon as she does that, yes, then they are mm. they are with her all the way. In fact, she and then she becomes a leader. Obviously, there's two interesting things and things. Two things from Ridley Scott's Alien at the end, which I've heard comments made about, oh, how it's the great equaliser, where it didn't matter that she was a woman. But there's two choices by Ridley Scott at the end of the first one, which is one, to have her in her underwear for the final scene before she gets into the booth, and two, for her to go back with a cat, which is a very feminine sort of figure. Like, if that was a man you wouldn't really have him with a cat in your final scene. And it's interesting that in this film, <clears throat> Cameron chooses to dispense with the cat up front, not kill it, but to go like, you are waiting here. We are leaving the cat behind. And also at the end, Ripley it's does true. a strip down to her underwear when she gets into the pod. That's two conscious choices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by Cameron there as well. Uh, but he evolves her femininity in, in very, very clever ways in this I, I, I mean, and, and i think that's also 
why the special edition is the edition you need to watch because mm. there's that key key scene um when because I, I i remember when i first watched uh, um, aliens it's i should have mentioned this earlier i watched aliens before alien first time oh okay yeah yeah so um and i remember watching aliens and i was really sort of confused so why is she so obsessed with mute well why is she risking her life why is she going back at the end just to mm-hmm. save her when it's you know it's mm. just you know I, I i and that's because they'd taken out all of the of the uh, mother stuff you know about losing a daughter and everything and you need that you all you absolutely, absolutely need that scene where she, you find out her daughter has died she is grieving for for a daughter and of course newt then becomes the surrogate child and she would have been the same same age as her daughter when she left for it was eight eighth birthday or something like that yeah yeah mm. something like that um, yeah so the same sort of age and that's why she's so obsessively protective of her she becomes her her surrogate daughter Mm. um and her her mother instincts just take over it's like it's it had been like technically dormant for you know is it 57 57 yeah yeah Mm. so you know um but you know it's it's reignited when uh when she meets newt um and you know it it is a film about mothers it is which is why it's so surprising that in the theatrical cut they don't they dismiss that scene mm. uh, and, and Sigourney Weaver apparently she didn't know she did not know about this and so when it was first first screened and camera had taken out of those scenes um she was furious mm. She, mm. She, she, she 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 marched up to Cameron and she, she said, well, you know, why has that been taken out? And that's, that's the heart of the film. Why yeah. did you do that? Yeah, that's the punch of um, the story, really. Yeah. So, Two interesting bits here. That, uh, her daughter, the picture of her daughter, that's Sigourney Weaver's mum in real life. Yes, yes, it is. I thought so. And also, here's an interesting choice. In Cameron's original treatment for the story, her daughter was still alive and she jumps on a video call with her daughter oh. who is that age and mm. she chastises her for having says i'm glad you're back but i want nothing to do with you you abandoned me so many times and they established that ripley went on several uh different missions leaving her daughter at home and they decided oh. to dispense with that because they thought well that makes her too unsympathetic and, yeah. it, and it would to, 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 to an extent yeah, yeah. That, that would have been interesting that would have been interesting though mm. it's completely compulsory the the um to have her the loss of her daughter in it it doesn't make sense not to have it it's it's no, the it's the puzzle it. piece that makes the whole alien mother work why the hell yeah new <laughs> it's like yeah it doesn't make sense not have it in so i'm completely understand why she was furious mm. and and i do think that um yes perhaps uh, theatrical edition the uh, it's pacing is is improved to an extent but I personally like that hour at the beginning where there's, oh, that, yeah. there's mm. a build-up because I don't think Cameron's giving enough credit in that a lot of people w- will sort of dismiss Aliens as an action film, um, as, a, as a war action film, and mm. that's unfair because yeah, the, first, the first hour is just a brilliant sort of slow development, building up of suspense. He had worked out that in... In Alien, 
one of the key successes of Alien is is that scene where Dallas is with a. He's in the he's in the docks and he's and he's got that beep, you know he's got that tracker beep 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 mm-hmm. or, or, the, or, the, or, or you know he's got the flamethrower and and someone's got a tracker seeing oh the aliens come closer to you and yeah. he uses that doesn't he so effectively in aliens so effectively it's mm. brilliant and again another point on that this is how brilliant he was as a director where you feel just like with Hitchcock in the shower scene where you feel like you're seeing the stabbings, when those Marines are first attacked by the aliens, you feel like you've seen that attack and you don't. You hear it, you see the reaction on the screens, you see flashes of muzzle fire, that's it. But you yeah. feel like you've seen that and you feel like you've mm. seen several of them hit the ground yeah. when you just don't see it. Uh, didn't, yeah. they only have, didn't they only have a certain... I mean, it was, it was quite low budget considering... Yeah, you know, uh, you know the success of Alien, and this was around the time where they w- they were just starting to make s- sequels and realize uh, the, the potential sequels because mm. there was resistance. Can you believe there's resistance originally to it, to the point where they actually didn't want uh, Sigourney Weaver to reprise the role. They they wanted um, someone else, or they were happy to to, to write Jesus. it about someone else. And Cameron said, "Absolutely no. If you do not have uh, Ripley in this, I'm not doing it." Good for him. Um, and he argued for her to get the highest uh, salary for a woman at that point. Amazing. And um, so, yeah, and it's it's uh, it it was uh, tight financially. They had to they had to do you know, do do quite a lot of sort of uh, you know guerrilla style filmmaking. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll reference some later on. And one one thing that they, they I think they had. Only a small number of actual full alien suits. Yes, a small number, and, and and so in that in that scene when they're all when they all are surrounded in the by the aliens, yeah, th- there's only actually I think did they have six suits or something like that. I think it was six suits. Yeah, yeah. but in that scene they they're able to the, the way it's done it's, it makes it look oh, as it's if they're horrible. <laughs> it's brilliant, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so yeah. good. The way, the way that this is very slowly. Yeah. It's, it's just brilliant. I love, I love <laughs> it that you've just you've been in that scene for five minutes or so and you don't realise you're already looking at them. They're just all, all yeah. around. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Going back to you so saying well that about the Viet Cong. Yeah, yeah. it is. Mm. Um, and they had to, I think, because in the first Alien, the guy who played the alien was seven foot something. And yes. obviously, they knew that they couldn't they couldn't hire a bunch of seven foot something guys. So they were mm. like, "We mm. we will use six foot people because it's very rarely that they're ever going to be seen in shot with mm. some of the other other cast." Apart yeah. from that scene where the one rises up behind you, but in the he's small in the back, she's tiny anyway, yeah. so it, yeah. it has the the warranted effect. I was about to say just to go back to that segment, like just uh, the it's so well done. How how when when they go into where all the all the people have been like molded to the walls with whatever the xenomorphs do to them just how it's this so creepy and scary how you see like creeping they're like unfolding from the walls and it's like mm. what what is uh paxton say they're they're coming out the wall the walls are alive or something like that it's so <laughs> so good so well done the set pieces in this are like you can you can break them down into like different set pieces it's just wonderful each one is so different tacking like oh this is an idea i have to how to portray a, like a face hugger or a xenomorph and each one is unique and brilliant at the same time yeah as stan winston man as a mm. as a creature effects like yeah. really second to none mm. but it's interesting because he's 
special effects for this, whereas Geiger is, is who they use all the artwork for and modeled everything on in, in the first one. And Geiger stuff is mo- a lot more like metallic gothic. It has mm. that very distinct look, which Scott like replicates in, in Prometheus. I personally think that obviously the alien and the alien queen in this is better. I think the face hugger is better in the original. I think the face hugger okay. looks more yeah, visceral. Yeah. It it looks more unsettling. Where in, in this, it felt a little bit like they were playing with a prop when when they had it around. It felt it was a little. I still less love convincing. that segment though. It's such I a love good it. segment yeah, still. Yeah, I still Do feel you, the threat. Uh, the threat of that thing gonna jump on your face is like unreal. Like you feel <laughs> like, like oh my I, god, I, it's gonna get them. Horrible. I reckon. I reckon then and now. The facehuggers, an alien, and the facehuggers scare men more than it scares women because it is the it is the male fear of rape, and mm-hmm. the whole design of aliens anyway it, it re- represents in the crassest way female genitalia, but particularly the facehugger. And in this one, because you have a su- a sucker on it, which you can't put it any other way, it resembles a clitoris. It resembles yeah. a really protruding yeah. clitoris. The tail of that facehugger going down the throat. It's 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 force rape. Incubating women, I think men fear aliens and are scared by alien and aliens more than than women are. That might be a sweeping generalization based on nothing, mm. but, but I suspect but, it but is. But in, in, in aliens, in the key facehugger scene where you're talking about impregnation, it's two women. Ripley and that's Newton. true. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Which, uh, an alien, yes, it's with Kane, and it's, it's, it's so it's more clearly the um, the first chess burst a scene in this is that one of the female marines which yes. she's in the cocoon isn't she yes yes it's not oh, a, that's it's, interesting yeah it's, it's not a, a female marine it's just it's just someone who it's is a colonizer yes <laughs> that's an interesting choice though why yeah that's an interesting choice mm. okay mm-hmm. but uh, that but but that face hugger scene um, when when Burke, uh, you know, that's a key scene with Burke. You know, he he, he turns turns off the monitors. You know, oh, know he yeah. has he has deliberately kept them in there um, to impregnate them. He's 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 let loose uh, you know, some of the face others. That scene is just fantastic, and that it is. It's, it's pure horror. Yeah, mm. that scene um, terrifying and. Uh, uh, it's, it's, all, it's all just some, you know, it's, it's like like reversing the footage for, for the jump, for example. That's all just reversed footage, and it's yeah. all just done with you know just hand um, puppets and and I think this is an animatronic sort of uh, one as well. But yeah, it was it's all practical, basically. Brilliantly done, and it's and it's wonderful. Uh, you see the difference between uh, Hex. Not Hicks, Hudson and Vasquez in that scene. Okay, um, because and Hex uh, Hex always says, no, no, "Remember, controlled bursts when you when, mm. when, when, when mm. you're firing," and and so uh, Hudson gets the first one. It's, like, <laughs> 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 it's, it's completely uncontrolled. Fires off loads of rounds, and then he and he, and he, and he comes up and he's, he's, he's happy with it. He goes. Um, 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 Got the other one and smoked it. His, his history, man, something like that. <laughs> uh, he's so proud of it. And then Vasquez is like, oh, hold over there. Yeah, ready? You ready? Fire? Shoot. And it's just, <laughs> it's just a single sort of efficient burst of fire. You know, it's a difference. <laughs> uh, one, one criticism for, uh, for Burke is mm-hmm. that segment, I feel like 
I don't hundred percent believe that he would go full on that way and be like, I'm gonna get these people impregnated. I don't feel like he's 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 bad enough. I never get to that point where I feel like this is a, a horrendous person who is is has that in him to to leave this these a, a woman and a little girl in a room with these face huggers. But you know why? Because he's a company man and he's been bought by a company. That's it. He is just mm. a company man, embodiment of mm. corporations, and, 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 corporations yeah, quite doing his, their dirty work. He's got this his this sort of smarminess and the sort of I, I can I can see it. Be, 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 He's always got an ulterior motive. Is is the way he speaks to to Ripley? Um, you know, he he he's a manipulator. You can see uh, in, in in how he communicates with her, um, and 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 I can see him as 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 the, the ultimate sort of company villain. Yeah, I, mm. I can see it. Um, but he's pretty much and, putting these people in the room to die. That's the yeah. Bit. I don't feel like yeah. that yeah. is. But I don't he's, feel well, like he could be pushed. Remember, he's been remember, pushed that well, way. Remember what I said. Uh, I said earlier, my first quiz question. You know, the humans are expendable. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The 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 company Whale and Jitanian. This again, something that Cameron expands really well in this. Yeah. You know they they are they're all about the the, the alien tech. That's all they want. So he's there. His mission all the time is to bring back mm. impregnated bodies mm. Mm. That's, and, his, and that's his role don't forget that in alien ash is created by humans somewhere for that very purpose so See, why not send me, a human that works a lot oh, better yeah, but, but because it's human it's design that, yeah but, but it's a human AI, created and it's like that. this is my directive and i have no other directive yes. other than to get it back whereas a human i feel like has more levels than a robot I know, but more room for corruption then. Like, if you can just be bought. And don't forget also, I know we, sh we can't talk about it really, but in Alien 3, again, we see the company literally going out there to make sure that Ripley keeps that, mm. that mm -hmm. baby. I don't think we have to worry about spoilers, but fucking hell, Lance Henriksen is the face of that company then. They've, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, used yeah. his image for this good robot and they want to make sure that she comes back with that baby in her... And uh, the the company controls the whole the the whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. It's a Did criticism on on a very uh, basic level. It's a criticism of corporations as well. Aliens, I, yeah. I think, because because of yes, definitely what they re represent. Vietnam, yes. Corporations, yes. Even in the first one, expanded in this one. Going back to the the two different cuts, like the theatrical and the special edition. Um, when I was talking about things could stay and things could go in the theatrical, hundred percent that needed the um, about Ripley's Ripley's daughter. It doesn't make sense about it. Um, mm -hmm. It needs the turrets. The turrets is an amazing scene. So so well done. Yeah. And everything else, other the only thing that I don't really like in the special edition is this really prolonged segment of when they're going to the to the. Um, the the civilization they built on the planet, and it shows had, you when uh, everything starts going wrong. Had Hadley's hope. Yes, I don't think it's any beginning. good. I, I, it's just a bit, a little bit boring, and it just Which, takes what, me what away. Scene? What scene? What so, is it? So the, this this is a scene where you get to find out what happens to Newt and her family at Hadley's yeah. hope. Right. Um, 
unnecessary. But, I don't think it's necessary. But that's your first little glimpse of the facehugger, a little teaser of what's to come as well, mm-hmm. though, isn't it? Well, I, I do. I do think if, if you if you were to get rid of something, you you could probably get rid of that. Um, I mean, it just it just provides extra backstory, a little bit more of an understanding of where Newt comes from. Um, it shows how she's, you know, a survivor. Just, um, just for my own um, knowledge, when does that scene appear? Is it actually in chronological chronological order? Yeah, that, that that's at the beginning. So yeah, that for me, that totally takes away the sting of coming down to the planet for the first time, being like, what has happened? Mm. Because I can it's see more, that. I can see it's that. It's actually completely yeah. so much better going to that planet, thinking I don't know what to expect here. Yeah. Clearly, mm. the aliens ravage this place, but I, you don't meet any of the people. It's yeah. just this ravaged place. No one's there, and I think that's a lot mm. more spooky. Yeah, and concept. and also uh, you don't really need to know to see what happens to Newt's parents. You know, she no. she says you know she says oh they're all dead they're all dead you know my brother's dead yeah. you know. I mean that is and and yes and that does then link to I do agree that it is an appallingly delivered line but she is a child but that line is the mostly mostly that's fine but that line is so badly delivered I agree they're dead all right can I go now. Mm. Yeah. No, no, no. That is <laughs> she, badly she, delivered. She, 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 she's a, she's a, a British a, a, a actor trying to put on an American accent, and it, it, yeah. yeah, I could tell. She, I could tell. She's, she's trying. You know, I was listening to the it, commentary, and, it works, and that actress mostly. says <laughs> mostly. That mostly thing she says is her the, the, her most hated experience from the film because she says everyone that she knows and everywhere she goes quotes that at her, sure, takes the piss out, sure. and she's like, I, uh, I'm sure. Um, but out of everything Newt does, that's the thing I like her for, because she does that. <laughs> because that's the thing you come away thinking mostly is is silly, but it's like I kind of like it because it's so stupid. <laughs> I like this. I like I like the little girl. I mean, she's not the best actress, but she kind of didn't have to be too much. She had to scream a few times. She does a convincing oh, scream my, for a little girl. My word, her scream is piercing. My word, it is piercing. And we get the first scream because of that um, scene where she sees her dad fall back and the face huggers on his his face. I guess yeah. that's the one time we do have a face hugger on a man's on a man's face. That's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. The only time. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask a question here? This feels the right time to ask it. And here's a broader question outside the film. What if I put to you that the aliens they're just they're the same as humans. They're not from that planet. They crash landed on that planet. Humans came to that planet. They're not evil. They're doing exactly what the humans are doing. They decide, okay, we're here now. Let's live. And also let me have some kids. And it just so happens that the things that they need in order to procreate are humans as vessels. Mm -hmm. We don't see any evil from the aliens. So the aliens are not actually these evil creatures. So what we do also have here are marine soldiers going into a land to kill people to kill um, people, to kill entities which are not actually a threat to you if you weren't there in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like us going to the sea and killing off sharks just because we're scared of sharks doesn't mean they're exactly. not doing what they're Shark, supposed to be sharks. doing. Yeah. Exactly and, that. And, and, it's, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's humans trying to sort of colonise an area that's it's not, it's not, it's not theirs. You know? Nice. And... Uh, and the aliens, you can argue, are sort of just defending their territory. 
Yeah, exactly. Like a spider also, like I have a horrific fear of spiders, which is why I think the aliens gets me on a certain level as well, because mm. they are spider-like amongst other things. Yeah. But they are, they are just, they're in their web, they're huddled down, they've got their cocoons and whatnot and if you come into their nest into their web they're going to attack you just like if any fly goes into into a web stay away from it stay away from it if you find out there's aliens on that planet keep them there. okay you stay there there's no way they're coming down to earth if they're crash landed up there so leave them there get your get your colonizers off stop terraforming the planet and get back to earth you've got no business going there but this human desire to conquest and go to places that is what leads to their death and it's the company who sends them up there it's the company who would have sent those people up there to terraform that planet in the first place as well so the humans the human race is getting what it deserves on on, the, on that front on that level and it is perfectly i think embodied in the scene with ripley and the queen when you f- have that great revelation which i can only imagine how people would have felt not knowing that was coming going into a cinema mm. and seeing the queen for the first time amazing and being like wow because <laughs> that is the total evolution of scott and geiger's original design isn't it mm. that scene is haunting brilliant beautiful and fucking haunting as well the thing that i take from it most which i didn't in the past which is really intense is the queen's labored breathing it's horrifying Mm -hmm. really (sighs) Mm, yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible (laughs) that that scene at the cinema oh amazing i can imagine (laughs) it was Mm. amazing Uh, we, we have we have to say something um about the score of this film as well, James Ho- James Horner's score is is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it has the full range because he has to uh, use some of the uh, some of the more sort of subtle atmospheric uh, music from Alien. You can see in the first half of the film, um, but then and then he has to just come, you know, expand it out and. And be, uh, I love I love that uh, uh, music when when Bishop is is picking them up um, yeah. at the end and he's he's blasting it. Up. It is mm. uh, it just gets the hairs at the back of my neck. It swells. Um, yes, it's so good. And again at the cinema, oh, I was just I was just in heaven for that bit. And and as I said, you know, Cameron did not like really like what Horner was doing with the score. I know I, I couldn't believe it. And also he gave him a. Re- Ridiculous amount of time. I think he he like demanded five weeks or something yes, like that. Yes, demanded that Horner five weeks. Yeah, and and Horner was just working day and night to produce it. Yeah. And they fell out big time over it. Um, but yeah, what he produced, unbelievable. Yeah, um, I think his best score. Um, they did reunite for Titanic later on, so they they, they did make make up. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, but uh, tragically, he, he he lost his life you know quite early in a hel- in a helicopter crash. It's that song, yeah, and uh, so is that, and oh. and we have to say something about uh, Bill Paxson, the late oh, man, Bill Paxson as well. I just, mm-hmm. I just love it. He's, I haven't heard a negative word about him from um, anyone. From anyone, he's he's Good. he's just such a lovely person. I've I've spoken to people who have worked alongside him as 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 technicians and. and and wow. he's and they say that he's he's just wonderful and he was so good with with new with 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 uh carrie carrie hen um just just a lovely guy i was listening to the audio commentary for for aliens yesterday and 
it's a really big one. There's like 30 people in it, but they, they have a section. They have him and Bean and Henriksen and the actress who plays uh, Vasquez together when it comes mm-hmm. to their, their sections. And you can tell that they love him and you can tell what a nice guy he is because he's mm-hmm. talking about the film, but he's also cracking wise. He's being very friendly with all of them, amicable with all of them. They all, they all like him. Even Henriksen, who at first on the commentary sounds like he doesn't want to be there. When he introduces himself, he's like... I'm Lance Henriksen, I play Bishop. Everyone else is like being right about it. But then Lance Henriksen uh, breaks down as well. Mm-hmm. Big loss. Have you yeah. seen The Frailty? Or Frailty, rather? Single? I have, yes. Great film with him in. Paul, mm-hmm. you haven't seen Frailty. You would, no, I think you would it's love on my list. it. Don't, mm. don't read anything about it. Very yeah, good he, film with him in. He, he directed it, didn't he? Oh, he that's right, it. he did. Directs mm-hmm. and stars in it, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Very good. Don't read nothing about it. Just watch it. Aliens is such a huge flagship film. It's so hard to talk about things that either haven't been spoken about before or that don't feel like you're just covering ground that that has already been spoken about. Yeah. I think we're doing it I think we're doing it great justice here because we're talking about significant moments significance in the history of cinema, significance in the genre and significance in the alien franchise. I think we're doing a good job of of hitting yeah. hitting the right beats. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there was at this point, if there were people out there who said, I saw Alien and loved it and I went and saw Aliens and was so disappointed, mm. what? why would they be saying that at this point? I can only think it's because it loses the, the horror, I, I, the I, intimacy. Yeah, I, I think it could be that... Um, uh, you know, Alien was so successful because it was such a confined single location, um, where it's it was like a, almost like a uh, stock and slash horror film. This well, exactly. Whereas, whereas you could say that Aliens has become, you know, James Cameron turns it into this sort of action bonanza spectacle, and and he expands it too far. But I still think you have that sort of uh, intimacy. Um, there's still confinement. There's um, confinement, absolutely, yeah. You know, and there's you know, a section where you've got the sentry guns out, and you know the aliens are coming in, and they are, and they have to sort of, uh, you know, uh, fend them off. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, I think there's still a sense of claustrophobia and entrapment, um, and there is. And entrapment, entrapment within entrapment, because already, so you're on your isolated planet. Mm. Great. You then put them in the interior of the colony, contained again, then into the vents, contained again, then yes. into the alien nest, containment. It's constant containment yes. At, yes. All, at all points. It's a great movie contrivance that people can just move around freely in the vents. I don't think there's a vent in the world that is no. big enough for people to no. just and that, freely that, move around from those, room to room. Those scenes, you know, with the, with the alien like, coming forward, it's just... Well, that's that's, that scene in particular is as great a device as it is having the um, tracker that beeps to show where they are. That scene, the second time it happens, when they come through the room, when they're um, soldering the door closed. Yes. And they're like, this doesn't make sense. They're in the room. We 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 have to talk about that scene. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and then there's a sudden realisation. Oh, shit. (laughs) They all start freaking out. out. Insane, insanely good. Yeah. And then he just opens it up and... It's a really good jump scare, isn't it? It is a good jump scare. And also culminates in 
the back end of that scene because that then leads to the vent maneuvering and yes, whatnot yes culminates in a very satisfying scene i think which is not burke uh gorman yes gorman, gorman yeah. and vasquez sort of the polar opposites having to go out together and sort of like they hold each other's hand i think they grab they grab each other's hand you at always, that moment you right? always were an asshole gorman <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> A company man and and the the guy on the ground united in that moment. There's something beautiful about that to defeat the common enemy. I don't I don't think he's a company man. I don't think Gorman's. Well, a company no, man. I guess he's not. He's not. Not not to the extent that Burke is. No, I, that's I, the thing. You're presented like he is bad up front, I, I, and then. Well, I wonder. What, could you suggest because he's he's inexperienced and they didn't actually realise how experienced was to say, well, how, how many combat how, how many combat jumps have you drops have you done before? And you said two. Uh, including this one, so yeah. he's he's inexperienced, and they were like, "Oh, great!" So they get a sense that they clearly haven't worked together before. So perhaps mm. the company have deliberately given an inexperienced person who they know is not going to be able to handle a situation, and yeah. and and cause they don't want them to succeed. The whole point that the the Marines they're they're sent yeah. into doubt. They have to fail. Yeah, they have true. to fail, mm. and ideally. For some of them to then be carriers for for the body uh, for the for alien uh, embryos to to return back, yeah. So yeah, they're they're sent in as a as, as a as a suicide mission. Yeah. So yeah, it is. So let, let's talk about that that key sort of uh, action scene, um, and I, th I think this is why Aliens can be dismissed as a gung ho action film. Is is this 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 section, so at ten minutes, and it's just wall-to-wall -wall mm. action, action. It's just, an, it's amazing. Um, so you have that sort of tense build-up. Yes, they are. They weld, they weld themselves in, um, but the beeper is still showing signs, and, and it's, it's Hudson rising. It's Hudson is reading it and saying, "Oh, and he's, he's, he's no, uh, certain meters away." And they said, "Can't be right. That's inside them. It's, it's reading them right. Look at it, man. He's freaking out, isn't it?" <laughs> uh, 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 and then he's and uh, uh, Hex takes it, and then he says, and then they sort of work out, ah. Jeez, it's above us. And then yeah. oh, and then they all start freaking out at that point, and. Uh, Hex is still. He's a brave. He's he's the one to sort of go up and check. See, and he just he pokes his gun up, and, yeah, it's, and it's, the way it's set, it's, it's this darkness in the shade, and then all of a sudden you see them mm -hmm. all converge. Yeah, swarm. Oh, it's a great, it's a brilliant jump jump scare, and then all it hell is. goes and breaks loose after that. With, mm -hmm. just, but, but there you go. That that's a scene that shows how you can. It is more than an action film because you've got that yeah, ho the uh, horror absolutely. element in there with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. um, and you have th that. That's where um, uh, Hudson has his, his his final glorious sort of <laughs> stand. You know, he's, he does uh, again, again, once again. You know, <laughs> all over the place, completely <laughs> uncontrolled. You want something? Oh, you want something? <laughs> it's, it's completely just. Uh, yeah. I think I read something about they all had to carry those weapons that was so heavy throughout the entirety of the film and that was the only time that they were actually allowed to shoot them so there was like this great sense of like joy at that moment in time because it was like we've been carrying it all this time now we can actually use them yeah they were using strobe lights strobe lighting yeah to flicker off the guns to make it look like that really yeah. rapid firing yeah. was going yeah. on 
as well. But it's 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 just a brilliant scene, and it's just and as as we were saying before, it then continues into the to the air ducts. Yeah, and the, the claustrophobia of that is it's just brilliant, and I just love the scene when you, I think there's a couple of times you just see the aliens just you know. That's just brilliant. It really that's, taps yeah. into those fears, that claustrophobia oh, fear. Oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like, oh, loads yeah. of different fears. It's <laughs> trying to tap into the arachnophobia. <laughs> it is combined fears. It's true. It is absolutely true. I can't remember what they said that they designed. I don't know if it was Geiger or Stan Winston, probably Geiger, the, 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 that, that helmet sheeny type head of the yes. alien yes. was modeled on a, a creature. That we know, I can't remember what it was now. But again, all based on like real, real things, things mm. that feel familiar but aren't quite. Which is yep. what's so horrible. And that face hug. I always think the thing about the face hug, even though it resembles a spider, the thing that's most disconcerting about it is the knuckles. Knuckles. It looks like hand. It's yeah. like there's knuckles yeah. on yeah. it, which is a horrifying. And also like skin color. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's really yeah. not nice. Like human skin no. wrapped around some bones. Yeah, yeah. We this is the point pretty much where we're left with our last people standing because we lose a fair bunch here. Yeah. Mm. And we get to this point where you kind of could say if you were going to find a criticism, but it's not really a criticism. But you could kind of say here's Cameron going conventional because you have foster father, foster mother, foster daughter. You have the family dynamic there, even yeah. though none of it is thing. There is no, there's a hint of flirtation. More of it is in the special edition. The whole revealing of the name suggests that. If you didn't have that, then you could perhaps say there wasn't really a romantic thing. But also when he's teaching her how to shoot, all of that's a little conventional. And Uncle Bishop. But I buy it. And what? Uncle Bishop. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> That, that I kind of like that they don't lean too heavily into a romance. Like, there's obviously insinuations oh, that they, they're like have something a flirtation between them, but they never go. Lean it's too more far like a it. mutual respect between them because it's almost yeah. like they're the only two who've actually yeah. got their shit together out of everyone. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. When when he's uh, teaching her how to use the the gun, he starts saying, "Oh, maybe stay away from the from the grenade launchers." And she said, "No, tell, tell me everything. I want to know everything. I can handle myself." He goes, yeah, yeah. Like I can see that. You absolutely can. So yeah, th th <laughs> there is that respect, isn't there? And uh, absolutely, yeah. And it is also this is also because of where we're at at the film in this stage. It is that traditional storytelling which I miss, which is you mentioned it, Jamie. It's like build it up. Give us, give us some sense of something first. Don't front load everything. Whereas now yeah. it feels like action films now. It's like, well, we have to grab you immediately. We have to throw yes. a bunch of action yes. up, up yes. front. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Which yeah. is why it feels so amazing at the end because it's like, you, as you say, a film of two halves. That first half, you are slowly submerged into that world. You get to know these characters. You get to understand where Ripley's coming from. And then it's now we're going to throw you into hell, and yeah, who's yeah. going to survive? How are you going to react? Is Bishop good? Is Bishop bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, see, I, I think again, it's perfect casting for Lance Henriksen because there's something quite 
sort of villainous about his his oh, always mm -hmm. you he's never know which know. way he's going to yeah. go as well and be, because you know you, you you know that uh that ash uh and aliens uh is uh, turns out to be a, a company uh droid and you're just never sure about him and you you are you mm. actually with weaver from the beginning when she when she realizes oh mm. Um, yeah, I didn't realize there was a there was a, a, a android, but yeah, I, I wasn't told anything about this. Yeah, um, and Burke, Burke, he knew exactly. So was just, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I forgot oh, to say, it. oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I should have said that. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, Bishop doesn't really go out his way to help himself though. The way he's like studying the face, the face suckers and stuff, and he's like looks yeah, so like looking at this and his eyes looking at people. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, Lance yeah. Henriksen got some. Uh, Cameron was saying that he he likes to have like a a totem on every film set that connects him to the character he's playing, which he oh, normally keeps okay. private. And in in this, he turned up to set with these um, custom contact lenses, which split his iris. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. And Cameron says it's good, but it's over the top. He's like, you you're enough. Your performance is enough. You don't need these eyes. So it was going to be when he was looking at the face huggers, he was going to turn around when he was interrupted and have the split lens. And that mm. would have been too on the nose. Yeah. That would have been yeah. like yeah. complete misdirection that would, wouldn't have been needed. So he, he does look a bit reptilian, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I love Hans, Lance Henriksen. I uh, have to call out your co-host on Movie Jewel podcast uh, who expressed uh, yes. the, the fact that he didn't like yes. Lance Henriksen. I've yeah. never met anyone who was like Lance Henriksen, not for me. I was surprised. Mm. I th I he's think, a solid guy. I think he's had some interviews where he's come across as apparently not not, not a nice guy. Apparently. Well, uh, like I say, if you listen to the commentary, Henriksen doesn't sound like he wants yeah. to be there. <laughs> um. But the performance is what matters. That's what yeah. matters. Real life has creeped into Dude. his opinion there, I think. <laughs> but do you... I, I wonder if audiences, when they were watching Aliens, were of the mind that he is a bad guy in this film. Up and up... I think uh, you, into you, that you, final moment. you are supposed... You, you don't know yeah. which way he's going to turn. Um, he, and that's why he's, you know, he, he's got these odd quirks you know, Bishop. Hello, Bishop. You, you know, he's yeah. There's, yeah. you know, you, you don't, you don't know. He's like fascinated he, uh, by uh, these yeah, things. Yeah, he's fascinated. He's 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 studying the alien in the same way that uh, Ash does does it in mm -hmm. Alien. So you think, well, is he gonna? Is he going the same way? Is he? Yeah. Mm. And Even without Ash, to... I think you'd still like allude to the fact that he's there's something not right about him. Yeah, well, that you'd be I, leading that way. Absolutely, I, I watched Aliens first. Before he, mm. oh yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and, and that, when, so when I watched it, yes, I was suspicious of him right to the end. Absolutely. Is there a criticism here, or is there a logic? If they always intended for them to go up there, it was a suicide mission, and the plan was to bring the alien specimen back in Ripley, at least, because they didn't know they were going to find new. Mm -hmm. If that was always the plan, why did they send a good synthetic? Mm. being up there why didn't they send another one who was programmed like ash yeah i, mean, I think it's, it's it's just um uh I, I i think you needed bishop to be sort of you know 50 50 ambiguous. you won't shoot ambiguous um and perhaps, and perhaps uh he, he, they had sent him with the intention of that and and he he just he just he didn't uh, deliver it in the same way that Ash does. I think it's just yeah. it, it, I think it just it serves as a story more to have 
that has been uh, ambiguous. Um, and I think perhaps because they felt that they had enough on their side with uh, Burke um, mm. um, and, and sort of setting it up for them for them to fall. Um, yeah. So, from a narrative point of view, it definitely view. works better. Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. If if you're in uh, like Wayland's headspace, it's probably like in the in the first one. You have Ash there. He's like the mole because everyone else is like just the they they're just going yeah. on with their the job. Like yeah, be. they're the grunts. Whereas yeah, this yeah. this one, you have that Burke is their inside man. You don't need anyone else. You just have mm. the one person with their driven goal, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this big final showdown. Yes. Yeah. The bean is burnt. Bean gets burnt. And also, I feel I have must say this. The younger Ben wouldn't forgive me if I didn't. Michael Bean, I adored that man. The actor, yes, but I adored the man because he was Kyle Reese. He was in this, he was in Abyss, he was in maybe one or two other things, and then he completely disappeared. I remember the days of the IMDB message board decades ago when I was at uni. Mm. And you could go onto actors' message boards on IMDb and you could talk about them with other people. And Michael Bean would log on to his own message board and respond to people. And he was really? so lovely and so nice. And people used to be so mean about him in there, saying things like, why did you throw your career away? You had everything ahead of you, this, that, and the other. And yeah. he used to be so nice in the responses and, and just say, well, you know, sometimes you're lucky with the film choices. Sometimes you're not. I'm very proud of everything that I've done and whatnot. So I just have to say, Michael Bean, we, we still adore you and your contribution to cinema is magnificent in those few roles that you did. And if you're happy with what you're doing since, I'm happy for you. Lovely. Well said. Lovely sentiment. <laughs> anyway, Bean gets burnt and he's out of it. Boom. You're burnt. Gone. Stay back on the ship. And we are left for, for this, the, the, the final... Well, okay, Newt, Newt, before Bean is burnt, Newt is extracted from proceedings and they have to hunt for her, who conveniently there was a little Newt tracker that was given to her earlier in the film. Oh, yes. For us Very to use convenient. for this point. <laughs> but Bean gets burnt. But this is this where you really get the mother instinct from Ripley. As soon as mm. you goes, she, you know, she is desperate to get her back. Driven. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah, and it's, this sort of the, the mother biology instinct is kicks in. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that's what makes this, 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 the, the final act. So, so engrossing because, you know, she is willing to, you know, to do anything, you know, to sacrifice anything, you know, she mm -hmm. has, she has to get her back. It's like, she's full of guilt and remorse as well. Isn't she? She's got, post, she she's got post-traumatic stress that she's dealing with. You know, this, this is a, this is a complex, compelling character pushed yeah. to the very limits. Um, mm. And yes, then you just, you have the ultimate showdown, which is. And it really is the ultimate showdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's, because it's two evenly met people with the same motivations. Yeah, they, yeah. they are both. We want that both, child. They are both. <laughs> yeah. They are both mothers. They are both protectors. They are both trying. Yeah. To save the loved ones. So, in in a way, there's you know it's it's sweet. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't necessarily look at the at the alien as this horrendous, horrible being. Is this is what we're talking about? This 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 yeah. is this is a, an alien being that is trying to protect its children and Ripley yeah. goes in and incinerates her Just children. Oh, the place, yeah. 
Yeah. But there is that great moment, isn't there? You know, you know when those the sort of flunkies come in from the wings. Yes. And what are sort of standing is. there, and Ripley points the gun as if to say, "Don't make." She's saying, "I don't, don't make me continue doing this." Mm-hmm. She could have just burnt mm-hmm. everything constantly and obliterate all of it there and then, but she's like, "Let me go, let it's, me go." It's that turn of the. It's a turn of the head. Yeah. Yes. yes. Turn oh, of the head. Yeah. This and is the bit. I, I like. I like how they've added like. Uh, sentience and smarts into the aliens in this film like with that segment there where the queen is looking at them and they back away it's like oh they they actually recognize what's going on right now and especially in the special edition with the turrets and it's like they're they're testing Mm. these turrets it's like they have smarts to be able to do that and i think that adds so much yes because they they had no idea that their guns were basically out of ammo yeah, and yeah. They, they get they get an old now they find a different way in. So yeah, they've they've got intelligence, and and it it feels like the natural evolution of things for the aliens because in Alien that that the alien we saw was a newborn or obviously it's mm. evolutionary yes. stage. Yes, goes quick. It was a couple of days maximum. Yeah, that yeah. That, that was sentient if you want to call it that. Whereas yeah, these yeah. have learned to adapt and things like that. But that whole scene that is. I think for me, when you said aliens, Jamie, the thing that pops into my head is Ripley among the eggs with no flamethrower and the queen there. It's I it's iconic. Well, that scene. Yeah. I would say definitely that, which is which is which is uh, yeah, absolutely iconic. But I would also say the power loader reveal. Oh yeah. Scene. I mean yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's just a one two, isn't it? Just iconic. It Brilliant. One after the other, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic I, the, final act. It is a fantastic final act. I mean, and it's coupled with everything, though, right? Isn't it? Because it's you have that, her in that nest there with that intense scene, then her going up and Bishop not being there. And you're like, oh, I knew we couldn't trust that synthetic android. <laughs> and then, yes. hey, there he is. As yeah. you say, the sting, the, yeah. the musical sting yeah. as he oh, as he rises. I, I, just, I love it. I got something, but, though. Go oh, on. no, don't. Oh, don't tell on. me. Why, why is the queen <laughs> taking the lift? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they evolved. She, they got smart. They know how to use a lift. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. And also, that queen how, knew what floor it, she was on and everything. Realistically, how on earth was she able to actually get onto the, the craft? I mean, I don't, well, you don't see it. These are aliens. They're, they're, there's some things we don't know, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the puppet, the marionette, was too big for the lift, so they just used the front of the marionette, and and Stan Winston was like, "We just yeah, decided yeah. never to explain that." Obviously, there was mm. a black, big black curtain behind to cover the fact yeah. that you couldn't see the rest of the body. Yeah, I was about to say just, but just how the visceral look of the of the queen is amazing. I love, I love the the hood, the head comes out of. It's yeah. like, oh, it's so gross, and so the wha- good. and the way she did, she like rips the egg sack away from the body. It's like, oh, it's so horrible, but so mm. well done. And just everything that that liquid Ridley did it in the first one, where he, where it was like liquid constantly streaming over the yeah. the fangs mm, and the yeah. mouth. There's a little of that in this, but what I like is the sort of like translucent translucent teeth that the queen has in this that are like see through when mm. she's bearing her teeth. Oh, all of this is very visceral, and. What I like about this scene, <clears throat> other than it's epic, is the score has been so good. But here, there is no score. There is yes. no music yes. for this final battle. And it's just mm. the, the the machinery sound yeah. of that front yeah. load up. 
that is great and it reminded me of terminator as well because that's yeah. that finale of terminator all you hear is that machinery sound mm. Mm. get away from her you bitch you can imagine audiences going wild american oh, audiences particularly yeah, 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 you can yeah, imagine yeah. them on their seats whooping and hollering <laughs> such an american thing that isn't it <laughs> um, jamie was whooping and hollering i'm sure <laughs> I was whooping and hollering here. <laughs> oh, love it. Oh, but but before that, a, a, a very fantastic effect also, the practical effects must 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 be uh, embraced, is the tail piercing through Bishop. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, it was underneath his chest and Stan Winston had like this thin wire and he, they just yanked it really quick so it looked like it burst out of his chest. And he had a concoction of milk and yogurt in his mouth, and he was so oh, sick yeah. afterwards because he'd done he'd done it for so long. Yeah, and it was it was mm. like it was lying in the heat, and it was all going off. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine under the studio yeah, lights? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So horrible. He was, he was horrendously sick. No one got near him that day. He stunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could imagine that. He really would stink, wouldn't he? Yeah, but that that whole that whole scene and. Uh, and he saves he saves Blowing newt he look. saves newt even, he even though he's he's, he's only half half of his body half a body <laughs> yeah it's great yeah. saves her from falling down and great yeah. effect as well him but his body getting ripped apart oh, great yeah. and he yeah. looks nothing like ash in the first one with that rubbish <laughs> transition for the of the head oh yes yes <laughs> i know but you got i like them things it's better to have a little bit of rubbery i thought paul that you were going to criticize the vehicles in this the effects mm. of the vehicles. What, like I don't the, know why. Um, like the the little cars that were moving around on the uh, were moving nah. around. I they thought were you were going to have a problem with that. Okay. Nah, I nah, think nah. It's, it's just some, the, the practical <clears throat> effects in this are brilliant. The, the, the minute the miniature work, um, you know, matte paintings. Everything is just mm-hmm. on, on on spot on, um, mm-hmm. and they really make the most of the budget. It, as I said before, it was a mean budget. It was really tight. Um, yeah. And Carmen just had to, you know, he had quite a lot of practical effects background himself because he mm. he um, started off with Roger Corman. Oh, yeah. Roger mm. Corman yeah. did wonderful yeah. effects back in the day. And uh, so he he um, had lots of experience. And Corman was really good about al- allowing young actors to to be in, be head of departments and, and to actually uh, do their own, um, be directors as well. And Carmen, at one stage, he was a head of, uh, of you know, the practical effects company within the Coleman production. So he, a lot of those practical effects, he was actually doing himself. And apparently he would be so good at individual areas that if you weren't up to it, you know, he would he would know, and he would he would sort of mm. pretty much just do it himself. Um, famously, famously in, in Terminator Two, he did the the helicopter under the bridge scene. Oh, yeah, because for real, yes, for real, because mm. because mm. the the DOP that just didn't he said he 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 didn't want to do it, and he said it was, it was too 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 many safety concerns. Cameron said, "Ah, oh, give it to me, I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> But you see, all of this is like a brilliant filmmaker that he's willing to do that and to do that. Amazing. I would be that British crew who were like, 
hell no, I'm working a nine-hour day. What do you think I'm doing? 15 hours for you? I've got a family to go home to. <laughs> we're going yeah. to we're gonna have to talk about the tea lady. The tea lady. Gonna You're going to have to talk about the tea that. lady. You haven't heard about the I tea lady? I don't know the tea lady story. Oh, right. So part part of this is that, uh, you know, this just just working for nine-hour shifts, but also there'll be, um, there'll be quite regular breaks. For tea. For tea. It's a, it's a mm. British, British thing. Right? So British, that is. So yeah. um, Cameron had no idea about this. So he was he was drafted into Pirewood Studios. He had n- completely no idea. He is someone coming from a, he's, he's a really hard worker. He just works and works and works. And he expects everyone else to work just as hard as well. So he comes in. Typical American. Okay. Canadian. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Sorry, James. <laughs> so... He, he he comes in and actually he, they've actually got no respect for him at all. As you said before, they were they were Rid- Ridley Scott's crew, um, and they were really really rude to him, um, and uh, they sort of dismissed him initially. And, uh, apparently, he he said, "I've I've done a film called The Terminator. Um, I would like you guys to 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 watch the film to sort of see see what I'm like as a as an actor as a director, see what I can bring to this." Obviously, this is at the very beginning. So we arranged a, a screening of the Terminator. Nobody turned up. Hmm. They're all idiots. And, They're all idiots. And, and it was, it was, they were they were just... He, he, he had to fire so many people. Um, yeah. He had to fire the, the DOP. He fired the editor. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much sort of uh, opposition... And he had to really sort of fight, and I think it's probably probably where he got his Iron Jim uh, mm. name from. Because I think he was only about twenty six when he made Aliens. Yeah, he was a young buck. Yeah, and uh, he had to come in. He had to he had to prove himself. He, and uh, I think in all that ad- adversity is what produced his best film. Mm. Yeah, well, you very right with that, and I I also think that. It goes to show that someone that you don't particularly like their working methods or how they might be on set or whatnot it has nothing to do with whether or not that makes them a good filmmaker. Like a really decent, lovely, nice person who's very welcoming and accepting of all opinions on set and doesn't allow people to work longer than certain hours can put out an atrocious film. Yeah, uh, You mm-hmm. have to be lethal. You have to be brutal. And I've, I've, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I haven't mentioned the tea lady yet. So, so he was um, long, long, long... Uh, he's used to long shooting chefs. Uh, um, didn't know anything about this. This, this these uh, British rules. And then he'd be, he would have everything set up, ready to go for for, for a big action scene. And then, <laughs> ding, 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 or whatever. Little bell would ring or whatever. <laughs> and this little tea lady comes out uh and and starts offering the crew crew tea and he would absolutely go ballistic like, oh, what are you doing? he was furious about this tea lady and yeah that 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 disrupted filming at several different points wow 
And, uh, and <laughs> the tea thing, the tea thing is ridiculous. I mean, you, we, you've seen that video of Stanley Kubrick on the set of Clockwork Orange, I that, think it is, or, yeah. or Shining. Yes, where he's angry yes. and they're but, like, but, "Where are they? That, they're that having seems... tea again." He's like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> what is yeah. this tea thing? What is this tea break?" <laughs> and of course, uh, all, all the all the crew that are anti-camera and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, let's 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 stop now and have our tea and <laughs> have an extra long break." You can imagine them yeah. d- absolutely deliberately taking longer than they should, and you'd be like, "Come on, hurry up!" <laughs> So, yeah, the tea lady. Amazing. One final word on this ending here. What I, what I also like here is that in order to defeat the alien, she has to become more than human and combine with machine. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that, yes. Very and also, I really like that visual of on, with the airlock, the alien pinned by the machinery and her scrambling out from that, like yeah. three layers of existence mm. very good and you feel the threat like that tail still loose get away from that yes. tail get away from that tail it's going to grab you and take you out <laughs> beautiful wonderful so good it's a beautiful beautiful film and just one quick word about david fincher's third i appreciate that all directors want to do the story in their in their way and they want to want to evolve the story but the one thing having revisited this the one thing that i do not like that fincher did is immediately get rid of newt get rid of hicks as if to say i don't care if you enjoyed them or if you wanted to see what happened with them they're not part of my plan so we're just going to kill them off like that and it's Mm. like everything that was done in this film was about preserving newt particularly Yeah. yeah yeah but i do like alien 3 there's a, there's a, I've got a, I do have a soft spot for it because it was the first alien film that I saw at the cinema. Is that right? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I do have, I do have it's a soft fine. spot. But I like I like all four of them. I think all four are good in their own way. I say Prometheus and even Alien Covenant about. I would agree. They're better than the third and the fourth. Yeah. I, yeah, I like all of the apart from Alien vs Predator. I like all the in- incarnations of this story pretty much. Yeah, it's an interesting world, and yeah, I don't think you have definitely. to compare them. They can exist in their their own in their own ways. The fourth one was the most jarring because it was that European mm. uh, director, the guy who did uh, yeah. Delicatessen. Yeah, so his style genial. was yeah. yes, mm-hmm. that hybrid, gross, but very but but a really interesting <laughs> but memorable, uh, very memorable, very memorable <laughs> stuff, and continue like the, that's the further evolution of the Ripley, yeah. Yeah, anyway. It's, it's almost like we want to talk about the whole franchise here, don't we? I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, should we give scores? I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any big surprises here. Well, wait, wait. Do we want to listen to Adam's thoughts first? Oh, Ooh, yes, yes. yes hello guys hello jamie um sorry i can't be there with you today but i'm sure that jamie is more than making up for my lack of knowledge on films and probably putting ben to the test as well um so yes um aliens is a film i think we've all seen countless and countless countless times it's almost one of those films you don't need to re-watch before um before we do the podcast but every single time you watch it it gets better and better and better and for me personally this was the it worked the best I've ever seen it. Um, for me, I just, I don't know, something clicked in it. Um, there is moments where you're like, what is this film? What is this film? Ridiculous. Um, just people shooting down corridors going, ah, at an alien. But that's exactly what it is and exactly what it should be. And 
and what makes it so brilliant. Even on this occasion, I've always preferred Alien to over Aliens, but I actually think watching them both this time, virtually back to back, I actually preferred Aliens over Aliens. Um, so, yes, thanks for bringing this to the podcast, Jamie. Thanks, I hope you've had a great chat on it. I'm sure you have, and I'll listen. Cause chaos in the quiz, I'm sure. Um, probably Ben could be winning now, but I doubt that. It's probably Paul, who's now run away with it forever. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to... I'm sorry I can't be there with you, Jamie, and the rest of you, but I shall speak to you soon. Peace out. Sorry, I just realised I didn't actually give you my score then. Guys and Paul, especially. Uh, Paul, you probably edit this together and make it look sexy. If not, you can just bait me out for being an idiot. As per, even when I'm not on the podcast, I still forget to do stuff. Um, I give... Aliens, a 9 out of 10 as well. It's a very solid 9. I don't know why it's not a 10, but there's something in it that always keeps it at a 9 for me. There we have it. Expected from Adam. Expected comments from Adam. Let's, let's see where that takes us. So, Paul, what did you give Alien? So, from um, for Alien, I give 9 out of 10. I give uh, 9 out of so 10. what do you give this? So... Uh, for, from off the back of Adam there, him saying, oh, we've seen it so many times, I, you could probably just like just go straight into the talk about it. I don't think I have. This is probably my like third watch of it. Really? It, like, I've ever mm. seen. Yeah, so I haven't seen it that much. Um, so it's never been one that I've, I've watched loads like growing up and stuff. So I'm not that close to it. I don't have that nostalgia for it in any way. But um, I think... watching this watching this watching this a few more times it could possibly hit the peaks but it's still a nine for me i there's something about that i I it's not getting that full 10 yet but i could Uh, see it's one of those films i can think if i watch this a few more times i think i could possibly because i did have a wonderful time well you expressed some concerns which makes sense for you giving it a nine yeah but that's because I hadn't watched it in so long, so I didn't know what to expect. Even though, even yeah. though, yes, I've seen it. I know like the main big set pieces. After I, um, after our discussion, and then watching me. it again, do you think you might? Maybe, mm. yeah, maybe we can always re-rate on the podcast. So mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. I might yeah. watch it again before the end of the year. Who knows? Mm. We'll see. Could could, wow, could just see it in the cinema? <laughs> <laughs> we could do. Yeah, I. Uh, this was very close to always being in my top 10 of all time very very close um so it goes without saying that it's obviously a 10 with a bullet it's not even in contention that it's not perfect there are the tiniest imperfections in it but there are in in my favorite films of all time scarface glenn mm-hmm. gary glenn ross collier's wade there are tiny imperfections in it nothing is 100 percent perfect but this was epic for all the reasons we discussed filmmaking behind the camera everything that went into the film and everything that ended up being on screen so it's a it's a big old 10 for me expected and jamie it's obviously a 10 for me uh, it's a big old 10 yes. thought it would be iconic classic um i think so one of the reasons why it's in my top 10 and i think this and you this is a, a sort of criteria I need to, for any film in the top 10 is that I can watch it at any time, any time. Mm. Um, and I will not stop. There's no way I would stop it halfway through and think, oh, well, you just watch it all the way through. It's just, yeah, right. yeah. Once you're on that ride, there's no getting off. You have to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
We watch films like that. Mm. I feel that out of all my top ten films, as much as I love all of them, the one that I feel like that about is Terminator 2 because that is on telly so often and if Mm -hmm. I ever just flick it on regardless of where it's at I'm there till the end yeah same so what that means is it's not just in Jamie's top 10 (laughs) it's not in Jamie's top 10 it's now in the Film Busters top 10 rated episodes of all time but here's a little tricky one it goes over this it, average then. is at 9.5 okay all right good so this is a 9.5 there's only one other film in our rankings which has a 9.5 and that is pride which has a 9.5 because only adam and paul have seen it i haven't seen it so i feel like i need to see that very quickly so that we can work out right. exactly positioning but paul what are you saying you're saying that this goes think, above pride uh yeah because yeah because you can't decide so we'll leave it b- below it for now yeah before you see it so it goes below pride no 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 pride goes below aliens okay all right so what that means listeners for our top 10 film busters episodes from 10 to 1 the new number 10 pushing casino out is mulholland drive number nine is joker number eight is pride number seven is aliens number six is home alone 2 Number five is Whiplash. Another Paul Reiser. Two Paul Reisers in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, number four, There Will Be Blood. Number three, Home Alone. Number two, Cinema Paradiso. And number one, The Irishman. Can't Wonderful. argue with that. Yeah, I, believe, I believe Jamie is the first patron to crack our top ten. And, the film. Yeah. and, and to be honest... That's why I chose the film. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be in that top ten. Lovely. Amazing. You were in there, and that was a brilliant conversation about it. I think we did it justice. I think, I think we did it very much justice. That was, very, that was great. Well, Jamie, seeing as we're rating, seeing as we're rating, uh, oh, you yes. might as well say what film you want to put a rating to on our list now. Just so everyone knows, right. our patrons, when they come and feature, they get a chance to add any rating they want to any film we've done on the podcast, just to skew the tables a bit. So, go on, Jamie, over to you. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in an optimistic mood. I'm a, I'm a positive guy, and I'm, I don't like to knock films down. Every Everyone I've, I've, I've contributed, I've, I've been pushing it up. So I want to push another film. Hey, I might push something up that pushes one of my films down. Hopefully not. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully not aliens. Now this one, this one won't. But I, I've, I've thought about this a few times, um, and I'm going to um, vote for Baccarat. Oh, oh, wonderful! I've mentioned it a few times. I was thinking, yes, you know, this, 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 this is the film that created the Baccarat blind, blind brand. Yes. And yeah, I really want to go back and watch it again. To be honest, it's been a while, so maybe I'll I'll re rewatch the the pod and then go back and and, and watch it again. Little gem that but, is. Uh, What'd yeah, you give it? Baccarat. I'm going to give it. Go on. I'm going to give it a ten. Said I'm feeling. I'm feeling. Wow. I'm feeling wow. positive. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> this, Jamie. So, with what you've done, you have pushed. 
Baccarat into our top 20, oh, which feels yes. right. It feels right. Yes. It should yes. be in the yeah, top 20. I think so. Yeah. so definitively, it pushes Ravenous out. By Ravenous, we do love you, though. You're out. Mm. But what it means, Jamie, is that it's on the exact same score as a film that you did bring to the podcast. <laughs> so it is going to change that, something, maybe. It is. And the film is Robocop. Oh. Well, I've got, I'm going to say this much. Robocop is a better film. So, Baccarat is a better film. Well, hang on. Let's see what Adam gave Robocop. I can't remember. Eight. So we're going to have to wait till <sighs> so he gets we'll back. We'll have to Adam wait. to decide. Yeah. So, Adam to decide. So Adam, you're going to have to listen to this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> Great pick though, Jamie. What a film to pick. Well Thank done. Thank you. Very good. You've just changed the top 20. With Absolutely. Both, That's what it's all about. Both your selections. It's keeping mm. it keeping it lively. I, I need to revisit Baccarat. I might I might upgrade mm. from an eight to a nine and then it push it even mm. further up. Mm. Solidarity with Baccarat is what I say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Baccarat. Beauty. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. It's been absolutely wonderful. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely amazing. I think it's about time. Uh you're you're actually a brand new actual podcaster now so i want you to tell us uh, where can oh. we see you where are you featuring now yes um i am one of uh, a co-host for the movie jewel podcast um and uh so i've actually just celebrated the, the one year anniversary um in fact that was yesterday and i was actually rec- yeah, i saw that and i was recording uh, my latest episode yesterday as well so that was great um and so probably about every every six weeks or so um i, I get a, I get an episode and it's a wide range of, of topics we typically go for like a um most overrated most underrated or best so you know we choose a a, a genre or a um or a f- films from a director or films from an actor and i choose a film or, or we choose a topic both um, Peter and whoever's uh, co-hosting will choose a film and uh, throughout the episode it's about sort of uh, su- supporting or, or sort of uh, 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 trying to uh, put points down for why your film is is the best choice for that topic. Um, and I've done um, uh, Bond films so far. I've done uh, most underappreciated Sam Raimi film. Uh, and the last one, which was a spin the wheel challenge, so I had absolutely no control over it, was best 70s romance film. <laughs> and, uh, Where do you even begin? Mm, so that was tough. So uh, I would have thought that had been right in your wheelhouse, Jamie. 70, 70s cinema, <laughs> yes, but not, not, not romance, no. <laughs> the romance genre yeah. in the 70s was very ill-defined though I feel like there could be quite a few curveballs coming out from that time well that's we ended up going well Peter ended up going for Harold and Maud which is which is was a great film really I loved watching that um, so if you haven't watched Har- Harold and Maud I'm not sure where it's available um, I ended up rent uh, I just ended up renting it from Amazon um, but well worth it's your time it's a nice little gem though well worth your yeah, time yeah definitely and then check out the podcast if you can. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's a, it's a lot it's of a fun. great podcast. Yeah. A lot of fun. Good to support Best of British as well, eh? Absolutely. Yes. Beautiful stuff. Well, Jamie, 
It's been absolutely beautiful. Uh, I guess I've got to tell you what film we're doing next, though. Yes, please. Forgot about that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> where we go. I, I, I shall keep it to myself as well. Okay. Well, uh, I've been thinking about it, and I think I think our ninety ninety two round we we had a, a couple of stinkers. So I feel like this you might as well <laughs> get some big hitters. And I do want to rewatch this film. And give us, I give us give us some thought, clues. Hey, let's. Uh, I'm not even going to give you a clue. I'm just going to tell you straight. Let's bring Jeff Goldblum back and let's do the fly. Oh, <laughs> wow! Listen, listen. Yes. I said there was one film, one film in 1986 <laughs> that is better than Aliens. This is it. We're going to do it. I'm going to go on the record now. Whoa. <laughs> going on the record. <laughs> Exciting. Oh, that's brilliant. Amazing. It's been a while. I thought you might like that, Jamie. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Amazing. Well, that's for, that's for the next episode. And, and, uh, possibly Blue Velvet after that. Who knows? Oh my god, we could go so big in 1986 <laughs> <Who> now. <laughs> oh, it's an exciting round. It's, it is an exciting uh, round. Manhunter, that's 86 as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> there's, some, there's, some, there's a few bigger hitters. There are mm. uh, there are so many films that I would like to. I'm glad we're doing the flight. Like, so if you hadn't said the fly, Paul, mm. I wouldn't have said it. Right. It, is, it, it is my favourite from that year, but I wouldn't have said it, and I don't think Adam would have. So I'm glad you've said it, because mm. I do want to talk about it. But I, at the same but, time, I was like, ah, oh. You need to be forced. I, <laughs> I, yeah. I would love to talk about it. If I, tell you what, if, 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 if Adam's not available again, George, just... <laughs> yeah, if just, Adam's not available, you come back up, for the fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, uh, is that our first David Cronenberg? I think so. I think it will be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but not not. It's not our first Jeff. It's not even our first Jeff of the year. Nope, nope. Deep cover. Literally last round. Fantastic! I'm excited. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, Jamie, Excellent. thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. What yes. a wonderful film. What a wonderful guest. As thank always. you very much. As always, uh, before we close, I cast my eye to the left, and I can see. Uh, movement in the WhatsApp group. Adam is about to tell us whether Robocop or Baccarat is better. Oh, we're going to get this live. And live, he has decided. He, look, he's done it. He's done it. He's done it. Number 20, Baccarat, which means Robocop <laughs> stays above and holds down go. the 19 spots. <laughs> <laughs> you almost ruined it for yourself, Jamie. I know. <laughs> But I did say I did say that even if it knocks out one of my own films, I was I was up front yes. with that. So yeah. Well, I'm happy. I tell you what, back around twenty. I tell you what, I'm I'm not going to look at your what score you give the fly pool, and I'm not going to look mm -hmm. at what score Adam gives it, so that I can be totally surprised. But I would not be surprised if that also ended up going into the top twenty. We'll see. Adam, Adam, and Adam and horror man. I'm not sure. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm excited. Me too. Excellent. We'll see you all next time for that film, I guess. Fantastic. See you for the fly. Brilliant. We'll see you yeah. later, Jamie. Thank you very much, guys. Film Busters.